This is a Burn FM podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to our podcast Unfiltered featuring Annika, Aisha and Layla. Today we're going to be discussing microaggressions, so let's dive right in. Hi, I'm Annika, I'm a second year student and I study PPE. Hi, I'm Layla and I'm a second year student as well and I study international relations and economics. Hi, I'm Aisha and I'm a second year student and I study pharmacy. Um, so just going to go into this um, episode with introductions as to what we stand for and our aims, um, as well as an introductory topic of microaggressions. So I'm just going to go into the aims to begin with. Girls, who would like to go? So I'd say my aim for this podcast is to bring awareness to the struggles that women of colour face on a daily basis, as well as how microaggressions can severely affect our mental health and how we thrive in the workplace, as well as our social life. Hmm. And I want to discuss topics that haven't really been discussed before, and I also want to give a platform to women of colour to share their experiences and their talents, and just to show what they have to offer. Um, for me personally, I just wanted to create representation for women of colour. I know we're in the era that representation is a hot topic, uh, but I feel like we're still not represented enough, especially in higher education. It's kind of a misconception that uh, people of colour are not able to reach high levels in terms of their education, I'm just going to shatter that as we're three girls that are studying good courses at Roscoe University. Um, so, yes. Okay, so we've covered the aim of our podcast. Okay. I'm also going to go into um, what we hope to achieve with the podcast. Um, I want to personally open my eyes. I want to do research, listen to other people's experiences. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm hoping for the podcast that we can get, get, get guests from mm-hmm. different areas and different societies and hopefully that will allow us to learn about how they face... Um, sexism, racism, microaggressions in their place of work, in their place of uni and in their daily life? Um, with the podcast, I'm hoping to achieve a sense of community where people feel safe to um, kind of tell their stories and their narratives and their experiences, um, as well as just highlight um, areas of conversation that aren't really covered in mainstream media. Okay, I want to create more unity because at the end of the day, we all go through not similar experiences, but we all do face the most discrimination in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important for us to unite together to become one to like fight against the struggles yeah. that we have to face. Definitely. Okay, um, so some of the topics that will be covered include things such as microaggressions, pressures that women of colour experience, for example, to get married or to be successful. Um, women of colour um, in healthcare. So that's just a preview of the topics that we have lined up for you guys. Um, so what makes our podcast so important in today's society? I think there are just so many topics that like even women of colour like us are not um, as educated on or not as aware on. For example, in the LGBT community, how women of colour are treated within their own families and within the actual LGBT community. It's as if they're not accepted in either or. I think there are topics such as this that many people, the rest of society, as well as women of colour, need their eyes open to you to understand, like, the hardships that people do have to face. Of course. Um, I also feel that it's important as there are... Everyone under those issues, but I feel there are issues that are specific to women of colour um, that aren't covered, especially by university students. Um, I don't really know any other podcasts that are covering this kind of content. So I just feel that it's important to just be aware of things that we experience. I think we're aware of things um, old generations experience, our parents or our parents' parents. 
but not so much us. So I think it's just important that it's discussed so that we can like come to a resolve or an end to it. I agree. I feel like there's podcasts for women, for people of colour, but there hasn't been one for women of colour yet. Yeah. So it's very important that someone does, like it was called, cover this topic. Yeah. Mm, we live in a time where topics such as sexism and racism, there's so much tens- tension around them and mm-hmm. it's just good to have a safe place where you can talk, discuss and people can listen and feel like they're not alone and other people share the same values mm-hmm. and ideas as them. I feel like with racism and sexism, they're also always discussed in like an argumentative sense. It's always kind of a hostile mm-hmm. environment when you bring up the topic of race or of sexism. So I think it's important to create a platform or a community where just people just uh, feel safe um, relaying their experiences and such. And it's not argumentative at all. It's just more of a chill, um, open listening environment, if that makes sense. Yeah. Kind of a debate just for us to go and get off, you know, feelings of our chest. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because I think deep down, every, like, girl, woman of colour, they all we all technically, like, feel the same. Mm-hmm. We all face very similar hardships and feel like there is some type of, like, aggression towards us. No matter how subtle it is, we yeah. do feel the type of way they were treated, the way people speak to us, mm-hmm. the positions we're put in. And I feel like this is a safe place for us to just discuss this and how we can overcome of course being put down in society especially right now with the yeah. whole Meghan Markle situation going on mm-hmm. I feel like it's really opened people's eyes to the explicit racism that ha- happens to women of colour mm-hmm. in the UK in particular because often we like to downplay racism in the UK yes mm-hmm. yeah so I would say a lot of people think that racism isn't as prevalent in the UK as it is in America for example but for me I would say it's more institutional over here so by that I mean it's um, areas such as education, uh, where there was a research paper that found that funding towards um, communities that were predominantly ethnic was less um, relative to white communities. Um, so I just think it's important that we don't dismiss of the racism that occurs here. Uh, it might not be as overt as police brutality, for example, but it it, imp- it impacts us just as much like yeah. in daily life. Even it's very detrimental to aspects of our lives, such as our mental health physical health even not getting the right um health care assigned to us because people just don't care they neglect us mm-hmm. even with um our economic status if we're not getting the right jobs if we're not being able to like thrive in our careers pursue other careers mm-hmm. it's going to affect every aspect of, of our life yes 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 so that is just some of the content we hope to bring to you in the forthcoming uh, weeks or years rather um, so we're going to start with the topic of microaggressions. So before we dive in, I'm just going to give you guys the Google definition of it. So it is a statement, action or incident regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalised group such as racial or ethnic minority. So I just want to ask you guys, what do you think about that definition? Do you think it's suitable for the layman person? If you search that up, would you understand what that even means? Because I feel like it's a, it's a word that's used so often, but... Do people actually get what it's saying? I was going to say it's so funny because last year, I don't know if you remember, in politics we had a whole lecture on microaggressions. Mm. And then straight afterwards, this one boy came onto the group chat Mm -hmm. and called that lecture a complete waste of time. See, this is why it's just so important that... I feel like microaggressions has only become a term that people really... So you know, the like, recent year. Mm-hmm. For me, it's just the recent year. Before that, I didn't even know that I feel like I came to university. Yeah, same, actually. Same. Same, same, I think same. it's actually so shocking considering how long 
people of colour, women of colour have had to deal with these microaggressions. Exactly. I feel like schools, to a certain extent, do try to hide that from the students. Yeah. I think it should be a more open thing. Of course. Mm. And of course. Yeah, like, even talking about schools, like, I know, like, we're always taught that old children aren't taught mm. um, to be racist and all of that. But, like, I definitely, in primary school, I went to a predominantly white primary school. Mm. And I definitely felt, like, I was, like, singled out probably, and I was, like, I had comments thrown towards me and only now I'm realising well that was a microaggression mm. like if I'm introducing what my name is and people tell me oh that's an unusual name mm. as like a six year old I'm not going to think anything of it I'll be like oh okay but now I'm realising and understanding that oh this is a microaggression that yeah. never have happened to me and now it's made me feel it could have made me feel insecure about my name and maybe have led me to like not even speak for the first couple of weeks I started mm-hmm. school um, so just to give our personal uh, definitions of microaggressions I would say it's not like a punch, but it's more of like a pinch that has undertones of it being uh, motivated by race or by your ethnicity. So it's more of a, a small thing that over time it will accumulate and have a significant effect on you, hence the term micro rather than just simply an aggression. Um, but yeah, it can have a great impact on mental health and things of that nature, but I won't dive into that just yet. Uh, what do you guys think about your personal definition of the term microaggression? Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Aisha. It's almost like the straw that broke the camel's back. Exactly. It's just little by little by little, and then all of a sudden you explode, and then you're actually, like, just branded angry as that, like, Mm. for example, like how the a black woman is um, the angry black tied to the angry black woman. Yeah, like, I think that's a very important topic to discuss as well. Like Mm. the angry women, Mm -hmm. because often women feel like they can't speak up. There are so many things Mm. happening to them, but they feel like they can't speak up. Because they fear of being labelled as angry. Yes. Yeah. Even words like we're like it's almost like we're branded as like people women of colour definitely like feisty even or like sassy. sassy. Whereas if a man was to do it, he would be considered bold. Confident. Yeah, confident. You know? Knows his like self-assured, yeah. etc. Yeah, I completely agree. Thank you guys for the definition. So, um, in your experience or what you've observed in life, uh, where do microaggressions typically occur? Well, I think the main place that people have been, like, very vocal about is how they occur in their workplace. So mm-hmm. um, about two-thirds of women face um, sexism and racism every day and they're in the form of microaggressions. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just even little comments, like, people getting confused with um, your name because you're there's another person of colour that has a similar look to you but could look nothing like you. Mm. But because they're so unaware of their subconscious bias that they have, mm-hmm. they will... Um, they'll easily just mix up your name without a care in the world. They'll yeah. dismiss you, disregard you, and it's just disrespectful mm-hmm. to have think, your name. I think their actions have no repercussions. Of they course. think it's just a little mistake. Yeah. But they don't look at the long-term effects of, of their words. Um, so in my experience where they occur, I'd say it can really, it's not limited to a specific place, but I'd say where I've seen it's the most prevalent is um, at university and um, in the workplace so in university it could even be a tiny thing where as a woman of color you feel self-conscious about raising your hand in a seminar or about the fact that you think your white counterparts will look down upon you and think oh why is she asking that question that's a bit stupid you know what I mean so that is just that kind of hesitancy even though I know the answer but I'm, like, I'm a bit scared because there's so many white people here and I'm not sure how they'll take it um, so I'd say it's not limited to anyone in particular but in my experience I'd say at uni and in the workplace is really prevalent yeah mm, i'd 100% agree with you in the uni aspect because i know me and Nayla were talking about this um mm. a few weeks ago how um 
well, me and Layla both um, have politics modules, mm -hmm. and politics is known for being predominantly white of and course. very male-dominated. Okay. Um, and it's very, like, nerve-wracking to have to put up your hand and give a suggestion, like, even if you do know, like, what you're saying is sort of right, mm -hmm. like, you're still, like, there's something in the back of your mind saying, oh, don't say it, don't say it, you don't want to look stupid, you don't mm -hmm. want people to, like, judge you or anything. But even when you do finally, like, muster up the courage mm -hmm. to give your point of view, to give um, your answer, I've noticed that, and it's become, like, quite, like, a frequent occurrence that um, these white males were just either just disregard anything you say, ignore what you say. And if their um, white male peer were to say this exact same thing as you, they'd um, hold it in quite high regard and, like, want to discuss their point with you. Mm. Or they just ignore everything that you say and just go to the next person. Like, it's very... It's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing and disheartening. Yeah, it's just like... I was going to say, especially with that topic, it's, like, the way you articulate yourself... Like, obviously, um, being a woman of colour, you're going to come from maybe different backgrounds. The way you speak is going to be different than where your white male counterparts will, become, will come from. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, when you, even if you know the answer, the correct answer, when you do reply, it might not come off as, you know, not as confident. Maybe mm -hmm. the language is not as strong. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they don't laugh at you. They are very judgmental. Yeah, they're very judgmental of the way you talk, of the way you just sit, the way you act, certain mm -hmm. words you say. Yeah. Like, of course, I know none of us have the poshest voice in the room, mm -hmm. but it takes a lot. Like, whenever I have a, um, an answer or a question I'm going to say out loud, especially now with Zoom, I have to, like, I take a couple of minutes to, like, proper, like, go like over and over it. and over mm -hmm. in my head. Like, I rehearse it in my head, isn't mm -hmm. it? And it, I shouldn't have to do that. I should just be able to talk freely however I want and not worry about if someone's going to think I'm stupid think that I don't know any better because of where I'm from, the mm. place that I grew up, my background, and whether someone's going to ignore ignore me because at the end of the day, we're all in the same boat, we're all doing a university degree. Yes. Um, we're all similar ages with the same type of intelligence level. Mm -hmm. So why should I be so afraid that someone is just going to disregard anything I say and turn to the next white male mm -hmm. or next white female mm -hmm. and listen to everything that I'm going to say, lap it all up, and have a discussion, but what you said is irrelevant to them. Completely agreed. Um, so how often um, do you think microaggressions occur um, day to day or, you know, just in general? Uh, for me, I think it really can occur every day. Yeah, um, definitely. Literally every day, I think. Especially when lectures used to be on, like, I know those of the women of colour would be so shy to put their hand up, so shy to raise their voice so try to speak on certain things to superiors just because they know that their message will get diminished. For example, mm -hmm. if a lecturer did anything that was like, oh, you shouldn't really be doing that. Like, you'd be scared as a woman of colour because, you know, like we're often so silenced um, in the world in general. So I say literally any day, yeah. every day. Like, it's not limited to a time or place. Exactly. Even if it had nothing to do with seminars and lectures, which obviously we're doing mm -hmm. every single weekday, like, obviously that makes it a daily occurrence, mm -hmm. but... Even outside of uni, just like going to the shop, you feel exactly. like you're being judged. Even if you meet a new person, mm -hmm. and then I think every person of colour, not even mm -hmm. women, person of colour, would have got this question, oh, where are you from? And then you say the type of place that you're yeah. from in England, either London where are or you Birmingham. Really from? Oh, yeah, where yeah, are you really from? Oh, no, where are your parents from? Yeah. Like, I just think that's so, like, disrespectful. Like, I'm, I'm from London. From, I'm like, born and raised. Relax. My parents were born and raised in London as well. Like, what more do you want them to say? If mm -hmm. you really want to ask me and want to know my roots 
You, I think you have to word the question differently. Like, like what's your ethnic background? Yeah, I think people don't realise that asking, oh, where are you really from, is actually quite aggressive. Yeah. And quite disrespectful. You guys have a completely different point to make it sort of different. National students. Ten, mm. 5% Asian people, 5% black people. It's not mm. actually 30% BME, if you know what I mean. Um, so, like, in statistics, they love to use that. Like, it's that. a marketing yeah. strategy yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think even in articles, like, when I see... Black and ethnic, black and ethnic minorities. Yeah. If you're gonna say black and ethnic minorities, if you're not gonna single out every single ethnic minority, yeah. just say ethnic minorities. It's just, it just diminishes completely. It like, it's black. Are yeah. black people the only ethnic group that exists? But then you know what I mean? the black population is so big, and exactly. the Asian population is so big. And even within the Asian population, you have colorism that also plays a role exactly. as well as racism. So you have lighter skinned people. I think yeah. I'm gonna keep this bit in about BME because this is very yeah, important. Yeah, so important. But me as a light-skinned woman, to like um, relative to my friends as a dark-skinned woman, our experiences are completely different. Like, yeah. I'll be treated so There's much There's still certain privileges that so many privileges that I have okay, as a light-skinned yeah. woman relative to my dark-skinned counterpart. So it's very important to talk about. But yeah, my progressions. Um, so do you guys recall a time where you experienced a microaggression in your life or a friend of yours or anything like that? Yeah, I think we've kind of um, touched, touched on upon this briefly. a bit, but... I was on the bus. Um, when I was in secondary school, I wore a hijab. So that's just a headscarf that Muslim women wear. And I was getting off. And then this guy, a white girl, was like, oh, get off. Go back to your country. And then he used a racial slur that I'm not going to use. Um, but yeah, that was, I guess, more of an aggression than even a microaggression. Because no, like it wasn't, it wasn't like even subtle. Um, yeah, it wasn't even subtle like that. Or well, my dad came onto the bus one time. He has a beard which is characteristic of a lot of Muslim men, and then they were like, oh, like, Bin Laden, some just some stu- stupidity like that. So, yeah, I'd say my family have experienced a lot, and because my pearly, uh, where I live, um, is quite white. It's white, yeah. Uh, you just experience so much rubbish. It's elderly white people, mainly in my area, so you just experience mm. um, just a lot of rubbish. Well, but I think we've touched on yeah. examples. I think even that experience mm. that you and Jordan had is yeah. just blatant racism. I wouldn't exactly. even say that's microaggression. Exactly. Because I feel like with microaggression... It's more subtle. Yeah, yeah, I think white people try to mask it as just, oh, it's just a harm, harmless I'm comment. Just I think yeah. one good example is when you're getting... On, I, I don't know if you guys experience when I uh, get on the bus... Like a white elderly woman will just move her bag slightly. Oh yeah, that's the typical 100%. example. Or they'll just purposely like there'll be seats. Mm. Oh, there there won't be any seats. There'll be a seat next to me. No one will sit there just for some reason. Especially when I used to wear a scarf. Mm, that's mad. The intersectionality of being black and Muslim. Oh, what a life I live. And a woman. And a woman. I have it all. Hands on that. How is this related to an unconscious bias? Mm. So I think um, with unconscious bias, is, um, some people might not know what unconscious bias mm-hmm. is, but um, so it's going to stem from racism from like way, way in the past, from, like mm-hmm. even from slavery. So where people just saw people of colour, specifically black people, just um, as worthless. They're not. They should inferior. not be treated equally. Yeah, they mm-hmm. were inferior. The white people were the superior ones, mm-hmm. and they've carried that negative like association and negative attributes with people of colour, black people, mm-hmm. and they've continued it down the line, continued mm-hmm. it down through generations, through generations. Mm-hmm. And I think people's um, unconscious bias is so strong, mm-hmm. yet because they're so... They know that racism has now become... It's not even a taboo subject, but I think for white people to talk about racism yeah. is to be for them. Yeah. And so they don't want to... 
say something blatantly racist and then obviously come off as a racist so then mm. they mask it with like subtle comments like yeah. oh where are you really from yeah. or oh that's an unusual name yeah. or that's exotic that's mm. exotic mm-hmm. I see even the unconscious bias is more of a thing that's like um, kind of subconscious and in the back of your mind like a view that you uphold and then uh, it will dictate the way you treat other people so if you have a view in the back of your mind that black people are inferior, but you're not overtly like, oh, I hate all black people, but it's just little things mm. like asking a black woman about her hair if you can touch it, or just um, little things like that. Um, so I say I would say it's related um, because due to your unconscious bias of I don't know black people being inferior, um, that will then um, change the way in which you treat um, black women. Um, so that could cause microaggressions, such as the "Can I touch your hair?" question. Yeah. I think it all stems from racism, mm-hmm. basically. Indeed. So how would you say microaggressions are harmful for women of colour? I'll say so, so detrimental, um, especially towards like, your mental health and your view of the self. Because if every day when you're going to work, going to uni, going to whatever, you're feeling diminished, you're feeling as if your point isn't valid, you're feeling mm-hmm. silenced, it's going to uh, reflect on how you view yourself. It'll come to a point where because you're being fed this narrative of I'm inferior, not only in the workplace or at uni, but also in the media. Um, so you're going to start to believe that about yourself. Um, so I'd say mental health is a massive thing and just the perception of self um, is something that's really impacted um, due to microaggressions. I think it reduces your opportunities as, as well. Like we were talking about politics I don't speak up as much in my le- um, in my seminars mm-hmm. now. You're not going to be able so to maybe get be noticed I'm not, by yeah, I'm not getting my full education. Yeah. You're not getting the full. You're, you're yeah. paying nine thousand pound over nine thousand pound a year. Just to sit what? quietly behind the camera. Yeah. Mm. Of course. And then obviously that could affect what you get at the end of your degree and exactly. affect what job prospects you have. Exactly. For mm. example, there's another statistic that um, so they did a study and they had people of color and their white counterparts did the same degrees, got the same grades. Some of the people of colour even got better grades. And people of colour, I'm not sure about the percentage, I think it was 30%, but don't quote me, uh, that they were paid so much less, even though they had the same job, they graduated from the same university, but simply because they were a person of colour, um, just their value wasn't seen by the company. Um, so it's scary. Mm. So it can literally impact your role life. Yeah, and I think that links with like the unconscious bias. I think yeah. unconscious bias is so um, prevalent when, like, big companies or not even big companies just yeah, random people company. in society are making decisions for mm-hmm. example if um like there was just it was a small little family-owned business and you wanted to go work there like even if it was just a small corner shop or something and you mm. were looking for a job and that person had that unconscious bias towards um people of color they're obviously going to employ um your white colleague or your uh, mm-hmm. white person that's going for the job mm-hmm. and you'd be out of the job like, it's just simple things like that. Your people are picked over you. You're yeah. not chosen yeah. because people have that negative, yeah, they sure negative attributes. But, uh, you know, like CVs, when you put an exotic name, exotic, mm-hmm. as they like to say, relative to a name like John Smith, John Smith is more likely to get hired um, than you simply oh. because of your name because they expect you to be a certain kind of person. Mm-hmm. That's why so many um, ethnic people, they um, change, their, change name. their name. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't blame them. Neither on on top of that, we have to include not only the gap between ethnic minorities and white people and then the gap between women and men. Yes. And just both of them combined. Exactly. Completely and even colorism just plays a role. Yeah, it's it's scary. So mm. we've highlighted so it's many just areas. It's a big old mess. Exactly. Okay, so the last two points are kind of linked. Um, but how can we 
us end microaggressions and how can we slowly erase the unconscious bias that exists in individuals in this world? I think it's such a mighty question and it's yeah. not down to us, I would say, as many things, unfortunately, it's down to institutions. It's things like funding, it's things like the interview process, it's things like education, it's things like healthcare. These are institutional things. It's not a thing that me, Aisha, or any of the, my other co-hosts can um, mm. defeat. But I feel like it's just important that these issues are spoken about, that they're highlighted in mainstream media, um, and that we try to reprimand people, not so much educating, but just making sure that we're assertive when things hurt us, uh, such as microaggressions. So I'd say it's something that has to be a global initiative, A, and B, it's an institutional thing, it's not something that I, can, I can't change the way women of colour are treated in healthcare. Um, but I would say just doing things like this, just creating communities and platforms for people of colour, um, hopefully will uh, create a change and kind of um, increase the echo chambers that exist in our society. So yeah, that's what I'd like to say on that. Yeah, if I'm being completely honest, I think maybe microaggressions we can deal with, like by raising awareness, yeah. such as platforms such as this, like yeah. maybe white um, people, even men of colour, like when yeah. they're um, throwing out sex, um, sexism microaggressions, yeah. um, maybe if it was more awareness, maybe that was training in workplace, university, maybe people will be more aware of what they say and hold their tongue a bit more. But in terms of an unconscious bias, because um, because race is such a prevalent thing like it's so mm. evident in today's society you're not you're never going to get away from race we're never going to be i don't think one racism is going to ever end but yeah, yeah. we're always going to see we're always going to see black people we're always going to see asian people east asian people white people yeah, we're always marginalized yeah basis. everyone's going to be always separate we're never going to be one human race mm. and this is why i think an unconscious bias will always exist and white people could continue to say oh they're not racist they're not racist oh i have a black friend oh i have a black neighbor <laughs> but i think you're always going to have an unconscious bias. And for sometimes, I don't blame people because it's what you're familiar with. I yeah. think even ethnic minorities have an unconscious, unconscious bias. Like, I think I definitely have an unconscious bias. Like, if my um, lecturer walked in and they were a woman of colour, do you know how relieved I would be? Like, I'd feel so much more at ease. Yeah. Like, I, I'm waiting for the day where I have a lecturer or a seminar and that's a woman of colour. I think yeah. I doubt it would ever happen, especially at a university such as UOB. Yeah. But I'd feel so much more at ease. I'd feel so much more comfortable to chat to them. Uh-huh. And I think that's important for UAB to have to recognise that it, a yeah. section of the lecturers of the workforce is needed. Like, we need more women yeah, of colour of as lecturers. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, I can't. I have quite a pessimistic view on this all. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be change anytime soon. Either. Until we have... Um, businesses who are owned by people of colour mm-hmm. or representation in places are very high up. I feel like it's very hard for people to speak up because there's nowhere to go to. Say you speak up, you lose your job. Where do you go to? Yeah, even things that are like just specifically for ethnic minorities, specifically for black people. It, like we keep having things like even award shows like you have in the UK, you have like MOBA awards like for black and ethnic music or in yeah. like America you have the BET awards, yeah, black entertainment course. television. Like even having things like that, like it's so important to have because people of colour are not recognised on other platforms such as Oscars, Oscars or Grammys. Brits and stuff mm. like that. But even having that, it's still causing a divide in society, even though it's I so important. That. Like We've had to create it for ourselves, yeah. but that is still causing that divide and that will only like trigger an unconscious bias even more because yeah. we're still so separate from each other. I completely agree. Do you guys have any um, leaving comments, departing comments before I wrap up? 
Um, no, just to say that um, microaggressions is such a broad topic and it will probably be mentioned hundreds of times in our next, in our um, following episodes. So it's never a topic that we can just leave alone or whatever be solved. Mm. Like it will still occur multiple times. And I would just like to say we're not experts, we're just three girls sharing our experiences. Mm-hmm. And we hope that you guys can relate. Mm-hmm. Of course. And I don't want to end it on a pessimistic tone. <laughs> of course, we're aware of the evil of this world, but um, I feel there is hope with us, with other women, other men even. Um, there are a lot of people fighting for the cause out there. So I would not like to end it in a pessimistic tone at all, but we know the world we live in. So yeah. Um, so thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Today we covered microaggressions. And just our aims and the introduction of our podcast. Uh, we hope you've learned a little bit of something and we hope we haven't been too pessimistic today. Uh, take care of yourself and thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up on future episodes of Unfiltered. We do have to like note that different women of colour do experience different um, microaggressions. Like yeah. there's not a ranking, but there is, you know, there's a scale on maybe the dark. Something I want to actually talk about in a future episode. Um, but the term B-A-M-E is a term I disagree with so much because he experiences, first of all, I feel like it, dis- it diminishes every other minority yeah. ethnic group that's not black, A. Oh B, um, the experiences that I have as a black Muslim woman is different to experience of a white Muslim mm-hmm. woman. It's different to the experience of you. It's different to the experience of you. Like, you, you like people could say you're both Asian, Ooh, for example. Even white passing. Exactly, or perhaps POC, you're white yeah. passing. Perhaps Annika, people might assume that she's Asian. Do you know what I mean? Like, the experiences mm-hmm. of every single ethnic group is so different. So I feel like the fact that it's all grouped together is just so wrong. Like, the experience of me as a black woman is not yeah. the same as uh, my Asian counterpart. Like, we experience so uh, much different. I think it's very important to yeah, shed light yeah. on this topic. Yeah, it's a topic that I think we should speak about. I hate it. I hate Even in statistics, like, they'll put, for example, a university has 30% BAME. But really...